Uh, my name's Nathan. You probably already knew that. I'm trying to learn your names. What's your name? <laughs> All right, I got it. No problem. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be preaching now. Now I know you don't have bulletins here, and so all of you traditional service folks, thank you for your grace because I know you're looking at it, going, "What's going on? You know, what's next?" I get it. I truly, truly get it. Thanks for for all that you're doing. On my play sheet here, it says we go for an hour and 15 minutes. So if we do that, it's not my fault. Like that's what they gave me. Is that cool? And uh, first thing I wanted to say is thank you to you all for helping to worship here in this place. Because my heart needed that. This has been an absolutely crazy two months. And the past like five or six days have just been absolutely overwhelming. And so I needed that spiritually kind of enriching, uplifting singing. And everybody up here, I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. Linda told me, don't get used to this, like everybody. And I said, that's fine. We, we don't have to have that yet. And... <laughs> It's all good. No, no, we've really, really loved it. It was wonderful. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a couple of things here uh, before we jump into our church prayer. And one of those things, and the ushers don't know this, and so if they're off doing other things, that's fine, but I'm going to need some help. Um, I would love for each one of you to have a piece of paper, either one of these three by five cards or a post-it note, something like that. It's going to take a little bit of effort. You're going to have to take one down, pass it around, you know the song, but we're talking about paper. Okay, let's be clear. Um, but Mike, can I give you these and then you can kind of find some helpers and just kind of, like I said, just take one, pass it down and I'll get back to that here in a minute. Um, all right, there you go. And I don't know. I don't know. don't know the best way. They're flexible. It's not anybody's fault. I just uh, had an inspiration when I was coming up, and I realized, hey, you, you don't have pieces of paper. I was going to have you write and then turn it in. So here's what I was hoping for. Your name, if you text, your phone number, if that's your preferred way of communicating, or your email address, if you're a big emailer, emailer or text number. I'm not going to stalk you or anything like that. And I know you're used to this, you know, a lot of times for church stuff, just to let us know you're here. But what I would love for you to do is your name... Your number, if you text or that kind of stuff, your email address. Why? Because if I want to get back with you or if I want to say thank you or if I want to ask a follow-up question, then I'll know how to do that. The other thing, so what are you going to write? Whatever you want to tell me, whatever you want me to know, any advice that you want, and you're like, well, wait a second, I don't want to put my name then. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. But I would love to, I just, I would love that connection. I'd love to hear back from you all. Uh, what do I need to know? Is it something about you? Is it just some encouraging word? Is it something that you're like, hey, you may not have known, but I want you to know? It's totally cool. Um, and if every single person does this, you'll make me cry. It'll be beautiful. And I would deeply, deeply appreciate that. Um, Bill, is everybody going to comply to that? Are we going to get like 100%? What do you think? 99%. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. All right. So as, that's, as those are going around, and seriously, no big deal. We're relaxed. I'm actually going to jump up here on stage and preach from up there in just a second. I love this setup down here, but I realize I can't make eye contact with every person here. That drives me nuts as a communicator. So I'm going to jump up there in just a second. You're like, oh no, what's he going to do? So we'll, that'll be fine. All right. How many of you already have the church prayer memorized? Would you raise your hand? Okay, so you're already ahead of me, and uh, I've got to use the cheat sheet, but let's go ahead and pray together. Father, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual breakthrough in my life, in our church family, and in our community. 
Fill us with humility, unity, and passion. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. May the name of Jesus be held in high honor in all that we say and do. Amen. And that's exactly right. As you heard proclaimed from the stage, what God says of us is what counts. If I mess up and if I say something that is not what God wants you to hear, I hope and pray that you're going to hear what God wants you to hear because God's voice is what counts. Maybe you grew up with a mom or a dad that would say horrible things to you, would cut you down. Maybe you had a brother or sister. Maybe you have an employee or a coworker or a boss right now. And what they say to you is caustic and it drags you down. And they're saying you're no good or, or they're saying that, that, that you, know, you just don't amount to anything. We want the voice of the Lord to overcome all of that and to ring in your ears. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sojourn. I'm going to walk right up here on stage. Let's see how this... If nothing else, it'll make you nervous about whether I'm going to trip on something. I saw the ladies up here, and these stands had sandals on. And you sandals, lady, are, you're, you're flexible, right? You go with the flow. Don't mind me moving stuff. I'll try not to mess it up too badly. Okay. Oh, my goodness. You wouldn't believe what kind of notes they have up here. Oh, Lord. Right now, it's good. With me today, my wife Jennifer, you just kind of wave there. Her parents, Tina and Dawn. Nice, nice. Youngest son, then next oldest son, Simon first. You can just kind of wave your hand there, Simon. And then Andrew. You can wave as well. So we have one more, and he is away at a baseball tournament uh, in Springfield. And so for the next few weeks, it's hard to get us all together. But, um, but we really do love each other. We really are together. And, um, and so he'll be here soon as well, but not today. In the midst of all that we're doing, um, I realized that I wanted to talk a little more about myself in this sermon than I normally would. Normally, it's going to be mostly Jesus, you know, maybe a little bit of myself just to help you to understand or relate and that kind of stuff. But today, I realized that most of you coming here today are probably already sold on Jesus. But on me, you're like 50-50 at best, right? You know, and I, and I get that. Um, the church that I left, some of the people were talking about who was coming in behind me. And they were like, Nathan, we love you. We, say, we hate to see you go. We're grieving. And this next guy coming up, we'll see. And that was truly their favorite phrase. They said, you know, we're talking about this. And we're like, we'll see. We'll see if this turns out. And if you love Pastor Aaron, I'm with you. Like, I, I love him. He's an amazing guy. Linda's an amazing woman. And if you're grieving a bit that, that he's leaving, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, just amazing. Huge shoes to fill. And I love what he did here. I want to build on that. And, um, and it's just tremendous. And so, so truly, I get that. But I also wanted to be sure that you know that they're leaving it's not my fault. I didn't do it. I swear. I did not. It had nothing to do with that. But if it'll help you and your process to like come up after the service and like kick me in the shins and take out your frustration, like do that. That's fine. You smack me on one cheek. That's fine. I, I can't strike back. It's like in the personnel handbook, the Bible, right? I can't. I'll just turn the other cheek. However, I can help you process that because I really do. I truly, truly, truly get that. And I understand that. 
At the same time, we are super excited to be here. Jennifer and I have just been overwhelmed by the ministries you're doing, who you are. The staff have been tremendous. The board already has just been absolutely amazing. That whole leadership team, I mean, they're, they're extraordinary people. And, um, and what I'm preaching on today is actually going to build on stuff that's already been done, and some of it may sound familiar, because it's already had an impact on me. Final couple of things that I'll mention before we jump into the scripture is um, if you are trying to figure me out, and you're, you're trying to just kind of judge me, and I get that, because I'm judging you too, <laughs> trying to decide, can I trust you, right, right? Where were you last night, right? Back row, where were you last night? What were you doing? You know, I could like preach like that, right? Sinner! No, I don't know. I don't know if they're sinning or not. I have no idea. I have no idea. They're probably wonderful people in the back row, right? Um, but as we're trying to get to know each other, if you have a burning question or if you have a big issue that, that you really need to have kind of resolved, ask me. Like, truly ask me, and I'll put it on the table. We'll talk. That's totally, totally fine. So, for instance, like, theologically, do I kind of line up with where Aaron was? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm kind of old-school Methodist, and so, you know, kind of orthodox and evangelistic and, uh, you know, believe in the Bible, and we're going to preach Jesus, and I'm Trinitarian in my theology and, and all of these things, and, and, you know, charismatic in the sense that I believe God's Spirit still moves, and, and this, the gifts of the Spirit still happen today, and, and so when we pray for healing, we're going to pray that God heals you, you know, all these types of things. So I line up with that. Um, but if you have things that you want to ask me about, you know, you ask me about politics and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm upset with both parties. So I'm like in the middle, like I'm, you know, just kind of grumpy about stuff, you know? And so I get that. Um, but, but truly, truly, truly just ask me and, uh, and we can, we can talk about anything. Another thing that I wanted to mention in terms of what Nathan, what are you going to do when you come in here? You know, are you going to turn everything upside down? You know, or is there some pet project that you're going to really push or something? Um, for those of you that are familiar with this terminology, I'll use it. For the first 90 days, what would I do? Well, for the first 30, and that today counts as one of those 30, I want to know who you are, who we are together. What's God already been doing? What's your history? What's, what's current right now with this church? Who we are. The next 30 days, want to really be engaged in thinking about what's God been telling you about your future? What are your hopes and dreams? Now, those little pieces of paper, you're starting to get it, right? Like, there may be things that you want to put on the table right away. I've been hoping and praying that this would happen, or, you know, we've, we've been kind of in the background, we think the Holy Spirit's been doing this particular thing with us. Let me know, you know, because that, this next 30 days after just trying to to get rooted and understand where we are. We're talking about what's God doing? And I'm praying and praying myself, saying, God, what is it that you want to do? Then the, the, the next 30 after that, leading us to the final of the 90 days, is how do we get there? What do, what do we need to do like right away to take some first steps? And there probably are already things that I just need to kind of fan that flame. You're already, you've already started, you know? Build on that. So if you're wondering, you know, do you have some pet thing, some project, some, something that you're going to push right off the bat? And the answer is no. I'm I'm discovering, and then we're going forward, right? We want to listen and listen and listen. Um, so after services, I'm going to really hang out for a long time. You know, if you want to talk and these types of things. I'm not sure I can talk with every one of you today. I get that. And you're like, well, I got, I got plans anyway. I didn't want to stick around and talk to you anyway, Nathan. But in the midst of it all, I really, really want to do that. Now, let's dive into the scripture. I'm going to double check. The scripture for today, Matthew 28. There are four biographies of Jesus in the Bible, and they're brief. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. As Christians throughout the centuries put together the Bible, they put Matthew as the very first one. The very final chapter then of Matthew seems like that would be a really important chapter, right? Because you've got the very first part of the New Testament, the very first one of, of Jesus' biographies that the ancient Christians are putting together and they're trying to figure out how do we put this together, how do we put this together. And Matthew himself, as he's recording about Jesus, his final words about Jesus, that's going to be a big deal. If you're writing some big speech, you know, that, that final part, you, you, you're like, you really want to hammer home what was the most important part. And so in Matthew 28, we read these words. After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Easier said than done, right? You're going to the tomb of a dead man, Jesus, who you loved. You believe he was the Messiah. You believe he was the Son of God. How could he possibly be killed? Other people, even today, will kind of press back on that and say, well, if he was really Son of God, it's ridiculous. You know, die, whatever. Well, no, if he was God and man, he, he really did die. They saw it. They saw him firsthand die. They're going to the tomb. They are seeking some kind of connection with Jesus. Somehow they're trying to reach back, reconnect with that Jesus that they loved. And instead, here's an angel, and the, the, the stone has been rolled away. The angel starts talking to them. And he says, he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Whereas disciples that are being talked about here are men or women. The men. Where are the men? I don't know. Like, maybe they went back to work, right? Maybe like, well, I tried that church Jesus stuff, and now I, you know, I, I just, I, he's dead. Like, I'm done. The women held on to it. The women are actively engaged, still in their faith. They're still looking for Jesus. They still show up. That's a big deal. This is a scandalous book in the ancient world, because in the ancient world, were men and women on an equal plane all the time? No. It was the good old days when the men were up here and the women, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding, yeah. I get that, white, that look from my wife a lot. Um, that was not the case. And yet here is Matthew the man admitting in print in the final chapter of this first book of the Bible, it was the women. The women were actively engaged, they were reaching out, they showed up. And God honored that. Like God, God allowed them to experience this angel. And in just a second, you're going to find out that, you know, they also experienced Jesus' resurrection for the first time. So the angel says, go quickly, tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Isn't that interesting? This kind of obedience from these women. I mean, this is extraordinary. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Who met them? Jesus. They had the angel. Now they're meeting Jesus face to face. Greetings, he said. They came to him, and they clasped his feet and worshiped him. First people to worship Jesus after the resurrection of Jesus 
Were they the men or the women? The women. It's part of why in our denomination, like, women in leadership, that's really coveted. That's something we really value. You can have every, every level of leadership in our, in our church. Why? God started it. It's amazing, right? They came to him. They clasped his feet. They worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Meaning these are his family. This is his spiritual family now. These are the ones that have been trying to do what he was telling them to do, who are now struck with grief, thinking that the Messiah has died and has gone away. And instead, he's come back to life and he's going to interact with them once again. So while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city, reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. The guards are covering their tails, right? Because now there's no body. Where's the body? Well, you got two options. Either God did something miraculous, or the women overtook the guards and stole the body of Jesus. Which one do you want to go back and tell your, your commanding officer, right? Neither of those is a good option. So now they've got to come up with some other plan. And so thankfully, they're given a lie that they could live on. <laughs> when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. Money talks, right? Did in the ancient world does today. They get a bribe, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, he will satisfy, it, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. You may know in other religions, they still talk about the idea of, well, maybe Jesus didn't really die, because there's so much evidence that they talked to him afterwards and stuff. They got to come up with a story. How did that work? And in Islam, they would say, well, he didn't really die. He kind of resurrected in the tomb and then kind of fought his way back out of the tomb. In this ancient kind of context, the lie spread was, well, the disciples came, they overpowered these professional soldiers and stole his body. Kind of ridiculous as well, but there you go. And in the midst of it then, Jesus is talking. They're realizing, wow, this is like a life-changing event. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. If Jesus tells you to go someplace, you go. Somebody's read my slide coming up. I'm going to have that up there in just a second. That's exactly right. Jesus tells you to go someplace. You go there. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Some of the men or women doubted. Some of the men doubted. The women are like, first we met the angel. <laughs> now we're meeting Jesus. Done. We believe, <laughs> you know. And some of the men are still kind of on the fence, and they're trying to figure this out. Is it a vision? Am I hallucinating? What's going on here? And so they're still trying to sort that out. If you're a doubter and you're really struggling in your faith, understand like Jesus still reaches out to you. Still, he's still listening. He's still trying to communicate, trying to connect. I don't assume that every one of you is like totally sold on Jesus and you're reading your Bible all the time and praying all the time. I get it. You may be on the fence saying, man, there are some good reasons not to. And I, I don't know. Intellectually, I just don't know. Let's talk about that sometime. I, I get that. That goes all the way back to these early disciples. Interesting. But Jesus keeps confirming it, keeps confirming it. And one of the other gospels, we, we learn that he ascends into heaven in their, in their presence. Kind of another affirmation that he, he's this spiritual giant, the son of God, now going back to the father. So, then Jesus came to them and said, and now this part, I'm going to let you read with me, because this is the new memory verse. Some of you already knew that, you know, very end of the book of Matthew. And so, um, we're going to start with all authority in heaven and on earth. And we'll see if we can just kind of time this together. If you don't mind, would you, would you read this with me out loud? 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Powerful, powerful. Jesus said, go. That's kind of like not a negotiable part of our job contract, right? Like, you know, we already established when Jesus says go, Messiah, king of the universe, these claims got him killed. You remember that? In that ancient context, some of the Jewish leaders believed him, but most of them, most of the leaders, they didn't believe him. And they said, you're claiming to be God. That's blasphemy. You're claiming to be the Messiah and the king of the, of the universe, at least king of the Jews. That's sedition, and that's against Rome. You ought to die for that. You ought to be executed for that. There are places in the world today where you can get executed for those kind of claims. Yeah. In the ancient world, that's, that's what got Jesus killed. And in the midst of it, though, he proved that no, he really was those things. And so then when he gave them this command, go, it's like, wait a second. If the king of the universe tells me to do something, it would be stupid for me not to. Can I say stupid in this service? <laughs> like if the king of the universe says, go, make disciples. All nations, go. It would be crazy for me to say, no, 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 I don't think so. For me, now let's talk about me, let's talk about Jennifer for a second. We were happy, just kind of, you know, content, doing ministry where we were. And then I got this call from one of my bosses called a district superintendent, kind of like a regional manager. Think of the bishop as the CEO, the district superintendent's kind of like the regional manager. He calls me, says, Nathan, how are you doing? I know he probably really doesn't care how I'm doing. He's got something else that he wants to talk about. But we chit-chat for a minute, and then he goes, well, I'm going to complicate your life just a little bit. Little bit? <laughs> you want me to leave where I'm at, and all these people that care about me, and go to another church where they care about him? Like, are you, oh my gosh. And so what's the first thing that we start doing? We start praying to understand, like, is this of God or not? Now, my district superintendent and the bishops might say, well, of course it's from God because we're saying it. <laughs> and I get that, right? I mean, I'd probably say, but at the same time, you know, this is going to affect our, our family, perhaps for generations, right? You know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, family, it's a big deal. The church, if I'm abandoning a church when I shouldn't, just because somebody else says that I should, I mean, that would be bad too. And so we're trying to figure this out. We're trying to pray. And we had the impression from God, the kind of word from God, go, go, I'm in this. Administratively, professionally, Nathan, your leadership time of this particular church of Columbia Heights is, is done. And I'm opening up this door that you need to walk into. Now, once we had that assurance, did we negotiate with God? <laughs> No, it's like, no, and we've been down the road before. It's like, wait, when God says go, you go. At the same time, we had this strange experience, and this is a little bit odd. We had this strange experience where we realized we don't have that same level of 
assurance from God that uprooting out of the community where, where our house was, the church parsonage, we had no peace about that. In fact, we had quite the opposite. We almost had like a foreboding kind of warning. We're like, well, what do you do with this? Like, how are we going to do this? So we talked with the district superintendent. District superintendent talked with the bishop. We then talked with our leadership team here. And when the leadership team heard what we were talking about, and we, we talked about how we had been trying to be good neighbors, not just to the physical neighbors right there, but the other people that are in the school system and the coaches and the other parents and this kind of stuff. And we realized, it, how, do we, how do we live this out? And the leadership team said, well, we get that. You're, you're valuing your family. My oldest son's going to be a senior. Some of you have moved right before your senior year. Isn't it fun? Didn't you love it? No, it's horrible. And some of the teenagers here, I can see it in their faces, like, that would be horrible. So, you know, when talking with the leadership team, they said, we're going to let you live in that school system of that Bradley High School system. You know, Bradley, if you play for their golf team, the golf course is in Marysville. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not. It's, it's, it's really, really funny. And so, so the kids drive back and forth for golf all the time. And as we talked and we were praying, we were like, well, wait a second. If they drive for golf, I'm pretty sure I can drive for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I think, right? You know, <laughs> all right, we could do that. And so if you, if you wanted to bring us a casserole dish and you take it to the church parsonage of Marysville right now, like this afternoon, that'll be really cool. But Aaron's there and, and you'll be giving it to Aaron because he hasn't yet moved out of there. And, and we're not going to live there uh, right now. We're, we're living uh, in, in a home um, uh, in kind of the, the Galloway area of the, of the Bradley School District. That's kind of weird, I know. But now you know why. If God says to do something different, we'll do it. But let me turn it up back to you for a second. This isn't about me, it's about God, and God's talking with you. Are you physically where God wants you to be? Where you live, where you work, your school, your workplace, are you physically where God has said go? There might be a person or two here who's like had that inkling, God's telling me to go somewhere else or go do something else, or to maybe serve in a different way. And I wanted to be able to fan that flame for a minute and say, I understand, like, it's uncomfortable when says, God says go. It's challenging, but at the same time, if God's saying that, I hope and pray that maybe one of the things you're going to put on your little card is, I'm ready to finally say yes, Lord, I'm, I'm going to go where you want me to go. We have people in this church that have gone off to be, do mission work just next door or all the way around the world, starting a new business, go in a different direction. I don't have no idea. If God says go, through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll say, okay. Amen. One amen. It's perfect. See, like, that's, that's good. I like it. The bottom part here of this question, are you doing what he wants you to do? Now, that's a little different question, isn't it? Like, physically, you may live in the, the apartment or the house that you want to live in that God wants you there. There is a purpose for where you're at. You may be worshiping in the church where God wants you to worship. What then, kind of day-to-day, does God want you to do? Now, here's where I got really, really excited when I learned that this is the church I'm coming to, and I started getting paperwork from Pastor Aaron telling me what kind of work had been done in the past. And you can tell, like, I've got notes all over this page that talks about vision, love God and all people for the transformation of the world. I didn't have to kind of scratch my head and say, gosh, am I okay with doing that, (laughs) right? I mean, yes, absolutely. The vision, the core 
values. I was on and on and on it. Then I got super excited because I'm, I'm a pretty practical per- person and I like to keep things kind of simple because then I can live it out. And when I started looking at engage, connect, equip, and send, which I know you could have rattled off out of memory that those are the four strategy things that you're supposed to be doing, right? You knew that. You knew that. <laughs> As I quizzed some people on it, it was familiar, but they couldn't quite kind of tell me and nail it down. And so I realized that for myself, I was getting really excited about it, but I couldn't remember it really super well. Now, why is this important? Because we can say all that we want. I'm going to love God and love people. But when I wake up tomorrow, are there ways that I could think about it in such a way that it motivates me in specific ways to do something that is love for God and love for people, okay? So as I'm wrestling with all of that, came up with this idea. Now, the ACES is those four different strategy pieces, things that we're supposed to do, okay? Now, I'm just going to kind of, you engineers out there, you're going to love this part. You creatives, it's going to struggle just for a minute, then we're going to come back, all right? So we're going to be okay. A-C-E-S. Because the first letter for equip was an E, but I realized, I'm sorry, for engage was an E. First letter was E for engage. And I realized that you can passively engage or you can actively engage. When I wake up tomorrow and I want to love God and love my neighbor, I can be passive about it and I will still end up bumping shoulders with people, talking with people and that kind of stuff, right? That's going to happen. No big deal. The soldiers at the tomb were passively engaging Jesus and the disciples, right? They're just kind of standing there. They're keeping watch. Stuff happens to them doesn't transform their life. They're not talking to Jesus. They're not trying to follow Jesus. They're passive. Did you say passive? passive. Oh, you just went active on me by saying passive, right? You've engaged. That's different, right? That means, hey, there is something here that I'm trying to listen to. There's something here. I want to know something from God. I want to hear from God. I want to interact with God in some way, shape, or form. That's a different way of listening and worship. That's active engagement. You passive engagement folks are back there playing words with friends on your device, not listening. You active engagers are playing words with friends, but you're listening and you're engaged. Some people can do that. I'm not here to judge, you know? Active engagement, that's something that I can hold on to. Let me give you an example. Jennifer and I went to a, a, um, a wedding reception recently. I performed the wedding. It wasn't your all's. Okay, I see you. I see you, Dante. Yeah. Jody. Dante and Jody, I just married not too long ago. They're like sitting right there. They love each other. They're great. This wasn't your wedding reception. However, this does apply to a lot of wedding receptions. Why do you like going to wedding receptions, you normal people? Party, free food. My normal friends would say open bar, (laughs) party, dance. So who's the least popular person to sit at your table at a wedding reception. (laughs) It's true, man. I've lived it for 20 straight years. I show up at the wedding reception, and whoever I'm sitting at their table, there's always some guy there. He's like, oh, son of a gun. Like, the pastor has to sit at my table. And so I'm, I'm, I'm cognizant of that. So Jennifer and I, we show up, and this wedding reception has open seating, so you can kind of sit wherever you want. I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. Wherever I sit down, everybody's going to leave. But we're like, you know, we're friendly people. We're, we care about people. We find one table with one guy sitting there, and he looks like he's as lonely and as awkward as could be. 
because he's there by himself, I thought. Turns out his wife was in the wedding party, but he didn't get a seat at the big table. He's sitting here by himself. So no joke, because I'm coming here and because you all, with what work you've done, had talked about being an engaging person, that that's how you love people. And I realized active engagement is better than passive engagement. If I really want to help people to know the love of Jesus, I've got to be actively engaged. Because if I just sit down and all I do is talk with my wife, which I love doing, and just kind of her and I and whatever, and kind of nod at the other guy, what kind of love of Jesus is that for him? That's pretty pathetic, right? And no joke, this is on my mind. I'm thinking actively engage, and I'm, we kind of sit down there. And so I sit close enough that I can actually talk to him, because you get it, right? We could have sat on the other side of the table and just been like, hey, what's up, man? You know, this is good. So we start talking and that kind of stuff. And I realized as we opened the conversation, he realized that we were safe, we cared. I'm not sure he was even at the wedding. And he says, you know, I got I to gotta admit, like, I've got one drink and that's all I'm going to have because I'm in recovery and I married my wife addicted to painkillers and I was popping pills for eight straight years of my marriage and now I just, I give glory to God like, like I've broken that addiction and, and I said, how did that happen? Like, was it a program? Was it, you know, was it a, a, a group? What happened? And he said, Jesus is the only thing that could have broken that addiction of mine. Like, it's the only thing. And I'm like, so here I am. I need encouragement too sometimes, right? Amen. I mean, yeah, because, you know, you try to help people, you try to serve people, and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it crashes and burns, and, and then you get hurt, and so I needed the encouragement. So he started ministering to me in the midst of all that because I was willing to say, okay, I'm kind of an introvert. I'm there with my wife. We could just kind of stay to ourselves, but instead we actively engaged. When you are living life, and you're wondering, should I actively engage? You may ask the question, should I go first or not? So let me give you an example. You walk into a coffee shop, you want to order your coffee, you want to get out of there fast, but you've got one opportunity to go face to face with somebody that maybe you don't know, and you can actively engage them, and you can smile first. You can say something kind first, right? An author I follow, Tim Ferriss, he was interviewing a guy who said, I live by the motto, go first. And I thought, well, that's a little haughty and a little conceited. And he said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, when I see somebody on the street, I'm the first person to make eye contact and nod at them. I'm the first person to smile. Because if I wait for them, then maybe nobody throughout the whole day is going to smile. But what I found out is if I smile first, somebody else will smile back. And somebody else may need me to be an encouragement. You may work in the worst environment. Man, you're, you know, you're here, this office is here, this office is here, and those two are grumpy as can be all the time. If you wait for them to be happy and to be nice, you may wait forever. Actively engage them. Go first. I love you. I care about you. I don't know what you can say at work that's kind and uplifting, but do it, right? In the midst of it all. What's the name of our church? First United Methodist Church. What's it mean to be somebody who goes first with the love of Jesus? You're the one that shows up in line, and everybody else in front of you has been grumpy because they're taking forever, and then all of a sudden you come up and you say, hey, look, I get it. I get it. This is a tough day. Take your time. I'm with you. You've just changed that person's life right there just for a minute, right? You go first. That's what it means to actively engage and to go first, to be a person and a church that goes first. If you would like to try that right this minute, as a closing kind of act in my sermon, 
here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Would you turn to two people right now in this place, two people, I know you may have to kind of look around here, look at two people and say, I care about you. Two people right now, let's go. I care about you. I care about you. (laughs) I care about both of you. Yeah, I care about you. Nice. Nice. If you tried really, really hard to be the first person to do that, you got it. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that we would go first with love to people, that as we actively engage people every day, actively engage them, we actively engage them. They will know your love. They will know that we represent you as your disciples by the love that we have for them as we go first, actively engaging them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then finally, Lord, as we prepare to continue to worship you in spirit and in truth and with passion, we pray that you would open our hearts and help us to connect with you and to be changed by your spirit. In God's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Nathan, just stay here for a moment. And I'd like uh, Jennifer and the rest of the family to come up here also. What? Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Whoa. I guess so. We are going to have a time of blessing Pastor Nathan. And so I'd like you all to stand. And this is going to be something. But I want you to come forward as many as you can, lay hands on them. And like we did last week, to put your hands, if you can't directly touch them, place your hands on the people in front of you. Okay? Now this last week, we blessed uh, Pastor Aaron in a spirit of looking back with gratitude to God for healing and for growth, but now this is a time of looking forward to new ministries and new relationships to which God is calling us. Our church motto is to love God and all people for the transformation of the world. But we have this task before us of fulfilling the great commission which we have just heard. To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But you know, you can't give something you don't have. And so there are also these words of Jesus to his disciples about the quality of the church. He says, a new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so in this spirit of love, guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we do bless you, Nathan, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we ask that you impart this spirit and power of love to us, 
that it may go forth from this place in power. Lord God, that we may truly be your disciples, carrying that love of Jesus Christ out into the world and supporting Pastor Nathan in his ministry here. Oh, Lord God, grant this blessing to him and to us. In the name and in the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen and amen. amen.